0: Good morning everyone and welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope that you will visit our website at gbcakron.org or hit the link in our bio. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to let us know by leaving us a five-star review wherever you're listening. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcacronorg slash giving thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast good morning again it's good to see you you know we're in a series uh, called cultivate a ministry and uh, here at grace bible church we have a path of discipleship uh, that path of discipleship involves five different habits or practices in our life we introduced this uh, every year we talk about it, but this year we introduced it a little bit different way by giving you one of these little poker chips. Uh, hopefully, you know, you didn't just throw that away or lose it in a game or something. But um, on the back side of the poker chip, it, it gives us our, our path of discipleship and how we are to be following Christ and what it means to be a disciple. And one of those things is this idea of cultivating a ministry into our life. And um, all five of, of these uh, activities of being a disciple of Jesus are challenging. They, they each come with their own set of, of obstacles uh, in our culture and in the way we think and the way we behave. But I would dare say that serving others is probably one of the most challenging things Jesus has asked us to do when it comes to following him because to serve others uh, means that we kind of got to get out of ourselves. Uh, we we are very insular. We we tend to think of ourselves first only. And and today we're going to talk about being a servant. Last week we talked about thinking like a servant. And and in that in that message, you know, I I challenged you. You know, hey, when you come to church, think about others. When you're parking, when you come and sit in this room, think of others before you sit down. How easy was that for you? I doubt any of you thought, well, I shouldn't say any of you because I see some of you have kind of changed around a little bit. You're not sitting where you normally sit. So some of you thought about it. I bet many of us didn't think about it at all because we're not conditioned to think like servants. And and, and when we think like a servant, we're just think, we're thinking of others when we're doing things, okay? Now, to, what we're going to talk about today is is this idea of, you know, if we're going to think like a servant, then then we're gonna we're gonna act like a servant. We're gonna be the servant, and and so again, uh, we're gonna find this to be pretty challenging. I find it to be challenging in my own life. I, I think you will too, and I I hope that that as we spend this time together, that God's gonna speak to us, and 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 not just um, inspire us. I, the, the, you know, one of the most discouraging things that happens is when people say, "Boy, that message really spoke to me." And then they're exactly like they've always been. (laughs) What's the point of that? What's the point of that? The point is that when God speaks to us is that we would change, that we would be different and not continue to be the way that we were. And this is very true when it comes to this idea of, of being a servant. When we serve other people, three things happen. First thing is that we look outside of ourselves and listen, we again are conditioned to only look at ourselves. But when we start looking at others and serving other people, uh, we begin to notice them instead of just noticing ourselves. That's that's one thing that happens. Another thing that happens is that we look beyond our own problems. Now. Every one of us sitting in here has problems. Everyone watching online has problems. I have problems, okay? That's why I buy really nice shirts to try to cover that up, you know? <laughs> we, 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 have, we all have problems in our life. Everybody does. And if we're not careful, we only think about our problems. But when we serve other people, we begin to see that other people have problems. And what you'll actually discover is that you can actually appreciate your problems based upon some of the problems other people have when you serve them. And there's something, we're going to talk more about this next week, but in America right now, one of the greatest challenges that we are facing as a society is our mental health. And I'm telling you, selfishness destroys our mental health. And that is why we have such a mental health crisis. I'm not talking about mental illness, that's a different thing. Mental health, just being healthy in a mental kind of way. We are losing that in our society because we are so selfish. And and when we serve other people, we begin to see what others are having to deal with and the challenges they're facing in life. And it actually helps us with our own mental state and how we think about our own life. A third thing that happens is that we bring value to other people. When we serve others, we actually bring value to who they are. Do you get it? You notice them. They're noticed by you. And that, that, that brings value to them. But if we're only thinking of ourselves all the time, we don't bring value to any other person around us. There's something going on inside the American church. You see, when we don't serve others, we will not see the real life experiences of other people. The only way we see what's going on in someone else's world is to serve them. If if we don't do this, Listen, if, if, we don't, if we don't value who people are, especially people who are different than us, then, then we're going to believe what media tells us about them. We're going to believe that they're immoral, that they're evil, or that they're trying to take advantage of us. All of that changes when we serve them. And we begin to see in real life what's really going on in their world. Now listen to me very carefully. We're going to look at this passage in just a minute. We're going to talk about it here in just a second. But here's here's the thing. We're we're pretty good. I'm going to give us a C. If I were to grade us, we're average average a C. It's not, that's not failing. That's just not spectacular, right? That's just you're doing the bare minimum. That's what a C says to me. When it comes to serving one another, we get a C. And the reason many of us serve one another is because, well, you're just like me. You look like me. You talk like me. Your priorities seem to be like mine. Your values seem to be like mine. So you know what? I like you. You like me. Let's serve one another. And so at about a C grade, we play well with each other most of the time. But when it comes to serving people different than us, different color of skin, different values, different priorities in life, listen, if we're not careful in the American church, we're going to fail You don't believe me, just look around the room. Does anyone in here really look that different than you? Why? Because we're pretty good to each other. But is that really what we've been called to do? That's what we need to think about when it's called, when we when we when we approach this idea of serving other people. It's not just yeah, we're supposed to serve one another, but we're supposed to serve people different than us so that we might understand who they are. And this is implied all through Scripture. In Mark chapter 10, verse 43, Jesus said, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Because being a servant is really not that valued. It's not something that we think about in our society. Many of us do not know what a servant looks like. We know, we know how someone should serve us. But we don't know how we should serve. And so this becomes a real challenge for us. So I want us to think about what is a servant exactly? What is it that they do that makes them a servant? Servants, first of all, make serving the priority when called upon. So in, in Matthew 6, Jesus started off this verse by saying, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. What, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Maybe, maybe we should say that together. Can we say it together? Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Wow. So what does that mean what is that how, how do we flesh that out in our life to seek the kingdom of God above all else people people who serve um, well let me let me say it this way Jason reminded us this morning Israel was attacked this weekend I saw uh, a really interesting uh, clip uh, uh, and, and had read some stuff about this prior to this attack in Israel many of the Uh, Israeli reservists people in the reserves their army reserves had already declared prior to this attack that they would not serve if called upon because they disagreed with some political things that were happening in Israel but guess what happened when they were attacked they all put that down and started serving because it's a priority now then, when it means, when, when the Bible tells us to seek the kingdom of God above all else, it carries that idea. We may have some different ideas. We may have some, some different things that we think are important or not important, things that we value over other things, and we may disagree on that stuff. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, we lay our disagrees down. Because that takes priority. We say amen, but I'm telling you, we don't behave that way. We do not behave like that as the church of America. We do not act like that, even though we say we agree with that. That's what it means to seek God above all things that that when called upon when the urgency is there when 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 something happens in our community when something happens in our lives that reminds us that oh this is important to the kingdom of god that we lay down those petty things that That if that wasn't there, maybe we could argue about that. Maybe we could debate about that. Maybe we can disagree about that. But because God's kingdom has come to the place that this is important, we lay that stuff down. Because that takes priority. Servants know this. Folks, we were created to serve We were saved to serve. We were called to serve. We are gifted to serve. We are provided with opportunity to serve. But all of that is void if we don't believe there is something or someone that is more important than our preferences. See, if we believe our preferences are what's the most important thing, We will not serve the kingdom of God. We will serve ourselves. That's what this verse is talking about. That's that's what this means. Listen, being a servant requires three things. This is really all it requires. This is free. It's not in your notes, okay? This is free. This is really easy. Being a servant requires three things. First of all, you must have a love for God. Listen, if you and I love God, we will serve people, period. Okay? So, so we've got to have a love for God. Secondly, though, we must have a love for one another. We must have a love for people. If, 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 even if you love God. See, loving God and loving people are two sides of the same coin, if someone says, I love people but don't love God, they don't love people either. And if someone says they love God but they don't love people, they don't love God. They go together. But we flesh them out separately. That's okay. It just means that, they, that, that if one's happening, the other should happen. If I'm loving God, I am loving people and vice versa. But here's the third thing, and this is what gets us. We must be available. See, to serve, you got to love God, you got to love others, but third, you've got to be available. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that one of the greatest problems that the that, that church is facing is that people, listen, all kinds of people come inside buildings and watch online and say, I love God, I love people, but I am not available to show that love to either. I'm not available to show my love to God. I'm not available to show my love to others. But I do. I do love them. That would be like me telling Cherry, I love you, honey. You are the love of my life. I just don't live with you. And I don't have sex with you. And I don't talk with you. And I don't do life with you. But I love you. I love you. That is exactly how we are treating our Heavenly Father. I love you, and I love your people, but I am flat out not available. I am not available to show up. Servants know this. They know that the kingdom of God takes priority when the call comes. It takes priority. The second thing is that servants are observant to the needs of others and they respond. They respond to those needs. So servants are observant. Uh, When they see a need, they don't file a complaint, they don't form a committee. They don't chase somebody down and say, hey, you need to be doing this. They seize that opportunity. They seize that moment to help. Galatians 6, 7 through 10, look at these verses. (laughs) So, listen, the call to serve, it's not not mystical, it's not magical. It's very practical. Look Look at these verses. So Paul wrote here, he says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. So what he's saying is, look, we can't fool God. We might fool ourselves, we might fool other people, but we cannot fool God. We can't mock him. He goes on to say, you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, in other words, those who only live for themselves. Look what it says, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit, those who live to please God, those who live to say, I I am trying to live my life in such a way that when God calls upon me, I answer. It says, they will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Now then, this is all very heady in theological, right? Okay, but it gets really practical. Look at what he says. So, let's not get tired of what is doing good, uh, of doing what is good. That's what it means to serve. It is that simple. It is not mystical. It is not magical. It is practical. Let's just not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. And then he says, especially to those in the family of faith. So here it is. It is saying here that, that, listen, all it means to serve God is to do good, that when an opportunity arises to do good to someone you are serving God, and, and, and that we just jump, we just latch onto those opportunities. when they come up in our life, we latch onto them and, and we do them. And, and, and he says, "And by the way, you probably should give priority to the other people who are following the Lord. Why? Because part of it is is if we're all doing this, if we all embrace this and say, "You know what? I'm going to live to do good to others, it's nice to have a group of people that you can be around who will be good to you." you think and it's all reciprocal it's not it's not one way we're doing it for one another we're doing it for one another and servants they they understand this we miss opportunities to do good I think part of it sometimes is we just fail to see the opportunity. We can't see beyond our own selves and what we feel we deserve. I deserve this, this thing. I don't know what this thing is. I deserve this time. I deserve this money. I, I deserve this rest. I don't know. I, I deserve it. And so in this, in this feeling of walking around and thinking I deserve this for myself, We just flat out miss the opportunities to serve other people. I think that's one thing that gets in the way. Another thing that that keeps us from doing good is, honestly, I think sometimes we're just afraid. We're afraid. International Welcome Center has been around for five years. Listen, it is doing some amazing things, serving several hundred people in the Akron area in all kinds of ways. And and for those of you sitting in the room and watching online who are engaged in the International Welcome Center, thank you, thank you, thank you. But let me tell you something. Many people that I talk to who are not engaged with it, and listen, I know not everybody's supposed to do it. I'm just sharing with you what I hear, okay? What I hear from many people who don't engage with it is, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid of those people. They don't say it that way. No, I'm afraid I won't be able to speak to them. I'm afraid to go to North Hill. I'm afraid we might not understand one another. I'm I'm afraid fear keeps us. And that's just one group of people. Think of all the other people in our lives that we are afraid to help. We're afraid to do good to them. Because what happens if I'm good to them? What's next? And that's what scares us. What's next? I think another reason we're afraid to be good to people is, unfortunately, sometimes we just don't want to make the sacrifice. You know, we just, it's going to cost me something, and I don't want to do it. And it keeps us from serving others, and, and servants are aware of this and they push back on this in their thinking and in their behavior and they recognize it for what it is and, and, they, and they push back and they say, Lord, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. Uh, another thing that, that, that happens is, is that uh, servants will do anything when God calls. Listen, servants will do anything when God calls. We never reach a place where we are too important to do a menial task. Galatians 6.3 is one of my favorite verses. I I, I like it uh, just because of its bluntness, but I also like it because it keeps my own spirit in check. I need to be reminded of this frequently. Look at what it says. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. You know what? I need to be reminded of that. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that. I'm just not that important. I'm just not. Jesus specialized in doing things that no one else wanted to do. I mean, take the time to read the Gospels. Look at what this man did. First of all, he washed feet. I mean, mean, it's only recorded once, but... Something tells me that may have happened more than once. And other things that he did that society would have looked at and said, oh, I don't know, I, I'm not doing that. But he did it. Jesus did children's ministry. In fact, he looked at his disciples and said, You know what, If if you're going to keep the children from me, Be prepared to spend an eternity separated from me. Just saying. He did things nobody else wanted to do. Jesus cooked a men's breakfast. You guys remember that? He prepared a meal for the disciples that morning before they got back to shore He had it ready for them. Jesus did things that nobody else wanted to do. He he ministered. Listen, He touched people no one else would touch. Physically, He touched lepers. I mean, when COVID hit, we wouldn't get within six feet of each other. (laughs) Jesus touched lepers. Touched them. Would you hug a transgender? Jesus would. doesn't mean he agrees with them any more than you or I might. would touch them. He did those kinds of things, things that nobody else wanted to do. And and listen, people who followed him through the scriptures, if you read them, if you look, if if you won't blow past it, you'll see that people who follow Jesus... They served anybody. One of one of my favorite stories in Acts is it happens in Acts twenty eight. Paul Paul is um, he, he's been in a shipwreck. Okay, he he was a prisoner. He was a prisoner on this boat that got caught in a storm. The whole story's there, man. They all come to him. He prays. They anyway. This the ship it breaks apart in the ocean. People are like swimming frantically for their lives and. And, and they make it. Everyone survives, and they get to this island called Malta. And Acts 28, look at this. Just listen. This isn't going to be on the screen. Just listen to what this says. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. Verse 3, Paul gathered a pile of brushwood. Well, listen, Paul was just as wet, just as cold, just as hungry as everyone else, but he was out there gathering wood for the fire. People who follow Jesus, they're not afraid to do stuff, anything. Nothing's beneath them. They're just just there to do good. They embrace the opportunity. In the worst of circumstances, they embrace an opportunity to do good. That's who we are supposed to be. That's who we're supposed to be. Servants, listen, let me tell you something. Don't, Don't look for the great task that needs to be done grab the low-hanging fruit just grab the opportunities that are right there in front of us there it is boom that it was so easy right there it is i'll just take that one don't wait for some great thing to come along some great sacrifice that you feel you need to make to to show your love and loyalty to the lord just be good when the opportunity arises To whomever is around. That's what servants do. That's what they strive to do. Servants are faithful. This is the last one. Servants are faithful. So, you know, servants, they they finish their tasks. They fulfill their responsibilities. They keep their promises. They complete their commitments. They don't leave a job half undone they don't quit when they get discouraged they're they're trustworthy they're dependable this is what a, a servant is this is what they do when when covid happened and we went we went through that irregardless of how you feel about that irregardless of how you feel about covid let me tell you what happened inside the church church volunteerism took a dive and it has not come back just people serving inside the church took a huge dive and and one of the biggest challenges that that happened through covid whether we like it or not is is that we went online And listen, I'm so glad we're online. I'm thankful for each person that's listening right now and for those that will pull it up and listen to it later. I don't have a problem with that. But but here's the thing. Here's what happened. Because of the availability of that, well, people don't come as much anymore. I mean, think about for many of you sitting in the room, not all of you, but for many of you sitting here in the room, You don't come like you used to come. I mean, once a month, maybe twice a month. And I'll catch up online. And we we do. We do. And you can catch up with the sermon online. You can catch up with knowledge online. What you can't catch up with is relationships. What you can't catch up with is, is touching people, serving people, helping people, being good to people. That can't be caught up with online. So online has a place and it's very important, but it doesn't replace these things that can only happen when we are together. And so and so volunteerism took a dive, and and so the church is trying really hard. How, How are we gonna, we're trying to be real creative how to do this? And so, you know, sometimes we come up with ideas like, well, we'll just ask people to do less. Yeah, that's what we'll do. So instead of asking someone to do something every week, we're just going to ask 50 people to do something twice a month. Do you imagine the man hours it takes to keep up with 50 people to remind them that they need to do something twice a month? Yet this is where we find ourselves inside the American church. This is, this is what happens because why? Because well, I'm not, you mean every week I'm supposed to do something every week for the Lord and his people? How unrealistic is that, right? Silence. I mean, is that not unrealistic? It is so unrealistic to think that anybody would be expected to do anything Every week for the Lord. How unrealistic is that? Yet there are many people sitting in this room who do that very thing. And many more who look at it as completely unrealistic. I mean, I love the Lord. I love his people. But I am not available for that. I am not available. That's just inside the church. I'm not even talking about what's going on in the world. That's just here. Faithful people have always been hard to find. This is not a new problem. Look! Look at what Psalms 12 says. Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. That's a pretty optimistic outlook, isn't it? That's in the Old Testament. That was written a long time ago. So being faithful is not just a new. That's a, like all of a sudden we have this problem because of COVID. It's been around a long time. Look at Proverbs 26. Many say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? again that was written a long time ago philippians 2 says all others all the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to jesus christ folks this has been going on a long time but servants push back they're not like everybody else They push back in their calendars. They push back in their priorities. They push back in their values. They push back, and they say, I will not be like everyone else. I will not be like them. I may not do it perfectly, but I will push back. Listen, go, this this idea of the lack of faithfulness in the church. Oh my gosh, this has been going on forever. This is not a new problem. It's not going to go away just because I talked about it today. This is always going to be a problem. But I remember, I remember, um, yeah, I remember uh, pastoring, a, 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 being a pastor at a church one time. There, there was a an individual in this church that was man, they were super engaged in the church. They were very involved in a lot of different things that were going on inside the church. And I would meet with this person on a regular basis. And, and, and just like I do with a lot of our volunteers and a lot of our key people in church, I meet with them on a regular basis. And, and so I would meet with this individual and we would talk. And, and somewhere in our conversation, it would always turn to, man there's not enough people involved we can't get people to engage why won't people do more why can't xyz and it was it was always it turned into this thing of complaining about what other people would not be willing to do and that went on for months months we would get together and and, and we'd talk about other stuff but eventually the conversation would always turn to that you know until finally this this individual inside this church they they just, they got bitter in their heart. They got bitter about all the other people who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Bitter to the point that they quit doing what they were doing and they became exactly what they were complaining about. They became what they were were complaining about. And, And see, when we talk about people being faithful, we always tend to think of someone else. Someone else isn't being fed. Well, if someone else would step up and do it, I wouldn't be expected to do it, right? And so after a while, we begin to to, to zone in on that feeling of why have I got to be the one to do it? Why can't somebody else do it? I mean, I know what's going on in my life. Surely somebody else has the freedom, the time, the availability, the skill to do it. They don't know what's going on in my life. And, And after a while, everybody's thinking like that. And no one's being faithful. Now, I shouldn't say no one's being faithful because there. let me tell you something, the lights wouldn't be on, we wouldn't be sitting in this room. Those of you watching online, those of you who have kids in children's church right now, those of you who found a clean place when you got here, those of you who appreciate that bulletin being in your chair, listen, all of that stuff happened because somebody was faithful. So there's always faithful people, but servants become one of them, and they're not always sitting around waiting for somebody else to step up, and they're not always thinking about what others should be doing. They're just looking at themselves, and they're saying, this is what I can do to be good and to serve others. 2 Thessalonians 3.13 says, And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. It's hard to do. It's hard to never tire of doing what is good. You know what? I get tired. I'm not always good. Some days I just get tired. I get selfish. I get critical. I too can let bitterness seep in and think things that I shouldn't think. But servants push back. They push back. They gripe and complain to the Lord. Or they find someone who doesn't go in their church and they gripe and complain to them. I do some of that. But I do it so that eventually I hopefully can show up here and be good to somebody. Just the low hanging fruit. That's what servants strive to do. And that's why we're always providing opportunities to serve. That's why we have Operation Christmas Child. Every year, it's an opportunity to serve, to do good. It's very low hanging fruit. That's why we have Grace Toberfest. It's, 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 man, it's just easy. It's a low hanging fruit kind of thing. You can jump in and just do good for somebody. That's why we started the International Welcome Center. I'm going to be honest with you. There's a little bit more high-hanging fruit there. It's a little more level of commitment. If if you're really going to jump in and be engaged and helping people from another place who've lost everything, yeah, it's, it's going to require a little more. Same with, with children's ministry or with student ministry or men's ministry or women's ministry or all these different opportunities that, that, that pop up around us inside the church. And, and people think, oh, my goodness, the church wants me just to serve the church so that the church can keep going. No, we're talking about your soul. This church one day will not exist. Only our souls last forever. And serving others is about your soul. It's about my soul. And that's what it means to follow Jesus Christ. To cultivate a ministry into our lives. And you know what? We're going to be tested. We all get tested. I mean, you know, you you may listen to this, and a few minutes at times this service is over with you, you're going to be all pumped up. Spirit of God spoke to you. You're going to think, man, oh, my gosh, I'm going to take on hell with a water pistol. I am ready to go. (laughs) And you know what? You're going to be tested. You're going to be tested. It's okay. We all get tested. Here's the problem. Many of us sitting here and many of us watching online, we've been tested and we failed. And we're not going to walk away from God because we know he exists and we love him and we are grateful to be saved. But you know what? I failed and I'm not going to put myself in that position again. I'll just live in a place of not trying. Of not moving forward. I've got my reasons. I've got my excuses. And you know what? I hope they work for you when you stand before the Lord one day. But something tells me they won't. They won't work. And we'll all have to give an account. But it can be different. All we have to do is acknowledge that we're doing that, repent of that, and say, you know what? Today, I'm going to start trying to be good to someone. I'll start with those that look like me and sound like me. But I have every intention of going beyond that circle. No amens, huh? Where are we? where are we? what kind of church really are we? what kind of believers are we really? these are things we need to be thinking about Stephen's gonna come he's gonna close our service, he's gonna close out our time together those of you that are watching online thank you for the time that you have spent with us this morning I pray that God has spoken to you and that you'll reach out to us. Thank you for joining us.